Hi, I'm Xavier. This series is called Eight Circuit Yoga, an antidote to the status quo. Here's an outline for what I'll be talking about. There are four main parts to this talk. Each part has several sections. Part one will be an introduction to the subject matter and to me. Since this is Eight Circuit Yoga, you might guess that I'll be talking about eight circuits. Part two will be focused on the first four circuits. Part three will be focused on circuits five through eight. And part four will cover how you can apply what you learn to your everyday life. Part one, introduction. Why are we here? This question can be asked in the practical sense of why are you listening to me right now? It can also be asked in the bigger existential sense. Some people spend their entire lives searching for the meaning of life. They search for the answers to big questions like, why am I here? What is the meaning of life? How can I be happy? How can I avoid suffering? Uh, for thousands of years, all throughout recorded history, people have been searching for a map, a guidebook for living. There have always been men and women of knowledge, philosophers, scientists, mystics, spiritual teachers and religious leaders, cultural icons, all proclaiming that they know the answers to the big questions. Eight Circuit Yoga doesn't provide the answers to the big questions. It doesn't tell you how to live or what to do with yourself, but it does provide a model to understand and a process for how you can live a fuller life. And perhaps you can find out some of the answers to the big questions yourself. As the saying goes, a picture is worth a thousand words. Uh, many of us go through life feeling like the wilted plant on the left. I think it's possible to spend more time feeling like the plant on the right. Not necessarily all of the time, but certainly more than we're used to. I know this because for much of my life, I was like the plant on the left. These days, I find myself feeling more like the plant on the right. I'm here to tell you a story, and that story is that transcending our mundane lives is possible. Being human is much more than personal soap opera dramas that happen to us in the years between the body's birth and death. It's more than all the disastrous mess we hear about on the news. It's more than the increasingly shallow, corporatized entertainment that we ingest on a daily basis. And life is certainly more than what we find on social media feeds. In this talk, our current way of living is called the status quo. Eight Circuit Yoga is a framework or path that can serve as a guide to understanding your subjective first-person experience of the world. With this framework, you can put aside conventional truths taught to you by society and cultural traditions. This isn't a religion. This isn't an attempt at science or philosophy. This isn't part of a new age movement. This isn't a self-help seminar or some magical cure to your problems. This is a tool to help you navigate through your life. And much of what I'll cover is pretty practical. Although admittedly, some of the content might sound strange or fantastical, especially as we get into the higher circuits. I've come to the conclusion that we need to do two things in order to transcend the status quo. The first is to root our personalities in something deeper, more substantial than the societal values and cultural attitudes promoted by the status quo. It is impossible to predict what your transformed personality will be like if you go through this process. Everyone is different. 
if someone tells you that they know exactly what you'll be like if you go through this process, they're misleading you. I'm not here to tell you this is anything true or to convince you. All I can say is that this path is a path that I walked myself and I found it to be immensely helpful in my everyday life. Don't believe me when I say it's true. Instead, find out for yourself. A quick disclaimer, nothing I'll be sharing in this talk should be considered a cure for all of life's miseries. Certainly nothing can be considered medical advice. I'm not a medical professional or a social worker. If you've been diagnosed with mental health issues, more specifically things like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, some of the content presented in the talk may not be suitable for you. I advise you to proceed with caution. If you do watch, watch for triggers. If you're not sure this is appropriate for you, just avoid listening to this talk altogether. If you or someone you know is suffering from a mental health disorder, as of summer 2021, you can find international resources at www.findahelpline.com or simply Google free mental health resources for your hometown. Okay, so who am I? Uh, I'm not a physician, teacher, or guru, or academic expert. Uh, I'm definitely not a role model. I don't have a bachelor's degree. Um, I'm not very well educated. Uh, I've pieced together a lot of information that I have found fascinating and transformative uh, from various sources, and I'm now compelled to share it for fun. Uh, so it's best to view this talk as a form of entertainment. This is like I'm playing one of my favorite songs for someone. Um, if it's helpful to you, great. My hope is that it at least provides some interesting food for thought. You can visit the About Xavier page on my website, sitwithit.net. It lists several subjects that I'm interested in or have studied informally. And it's probably relevant to say that I've had personal experience with most of the subjects that I cover in this talk, even some of the most far out material. Inner Wisdom Consultant is how I describe the role I play. Uh, think of me as a business consultant for the soul. I'm simply here to help with practical advice. Um, I don't want anything from you other than for you to listen and reflect on whether any of this is true. Uh, there's no big sales pitch at the end of this. Um, I will be directing you towards my free ebook called Sit With It uh, at the end of the talk, since that material serves as a guide for continuing down the path that I describe in this talk. Um, and if anyone wants to meet one-on-one, -on -one, the only price of admission is getting me lunch or coffee. And, and if you can't afford that, then, then I'll buy. Uh, you can contact me on my website. Here are some key references for this talk. It'll give you a taste of what you're in store for. It's worth taking a moment to introduce them briefly. I'll be referring to several alternative thinkers, especially two individuals that are the creators of the Eight Circuit Framework, Timothy Leary and Robert Anton Wilson. There'll be more on these guys on the next slide. C.G. Young, he was a 20th century genius. He made remarkable contributions to the field of psychology. Some of his greatest hits include coining the terms extroversion, introversion, and midlife crisis. He laid the foundation for the Myers-Briggs personality test and contributed to our modern ideas of what the unconscious mind is. More controversially, Young's work led him down a mystical path and much of his later work is dismissed by many as being too strange and fantastical. Jung will figure largely in the latter half of this talk. I'll be referring to various religious traditions, 
like different Hindu teachings and teachers such as Pantanjali's classical yoga, Advaita Vedanta, 20th century gurus like Neem Karoli Baba, Ramana Maharshi, Nisargadatta Maharaj. I'll be touching on Shaktism, the doctrine of energy, power, and the eternal goddess, which is one of the major Hindu denominations. In Shaktism, reality is metaphorically considered a woman and is regarded a supreme godhead. We'll cover some aspects of Christian mysticism, um, folks like Eddie, Mary Eddie Baker, Neville Goddard um, were key figures in Christian New Thought. Uh, this was a movement that coalesced in the 19th century into the 20th century. New Thought was inspired by a variety of religions and philosophies of the world, and they framed their knowledge within a Christian theology. A Course in Miracles is an incredibly popular and potent work with roots in New Thought. I'll refer to popular science, mostly sticking to peer-reviewed science that has been published in reputable publications. When I veer into conjecture, I will do my best to point this out. Lastly, I'll refer to some of my personal experiences throughout the presentation. Timothy Leary was a brilliant Harvard psychologist who became a very well-known, controversial figure in 1960s and 70s America. He remained a brilliant thinker and a very charismatic figure until his death. Back in 1957, before all of his troubles, he developed the Leary Interpersonal Circumplex and Checklist. This work offers a map of interpersonal traits within a geometric circle. It provides a scale of healthy and unhealthy expressions of each trait it's based on a system of eight. Around 1968, Leary was jailed, escaped, jailed again, and eventually placed in solitary confinement. After these trying experiences, he was never quite the same. By the 1970s, Leary was pretty much discredited by the mainstream. But still, he was an incredibly influential figure for alternative thinkers. He introduced the Eighth Circuit model in fringe books like Neurologic and Exopsychology. He, like many at the time, was obsessed with the coming age of the personal computer. He used computer hardware metaphors, referring to the brain and the nervous system as circuitry. In the 8th circuit model, the human nervous system can be understood as operating in 8 distinct circuit systems. 7 are located within the body, and 1 outside of the body. Each of these circuits is responsible for how the human nervous system engages with a specific aspect of reality. Each circuit can be programmed in a certain way which influences um, our view of the world and how we interact with it. Robert Anton Wilson, a counterculture thinker, said that the Eight Circuit model was the most complete map of reality that he'd ever encountered, this after decades of searching for metaphysical answers. Wilson expanded and modified the Eight Circuit model in his book Prometheus Rising. Both men saw the Eight Circuit model as an opportunity to reprogram the human nervous system in order to experience the universe in different ways. Wilson concluded there is no objective universe, only individual perspectives on it. He often called each person's view of the world a reality tunnel. Leary argued that programming each of the Eight Circuits alters the physical, biological structure of the human body through RNA messenger molecules, or something like that. Um, that, that was a major paraphrase. Basically, the idea is we're not stuck with our primate DNA genetic programming. And we're not stuck with the educational programming we received from the environment around us as we grew up 
like formal education, cultural or religious attitudes. The idea is we can reprogram the human nervous system via eight circuits and allow it to express itself in a healthier, more natural fashion. The way Leary saw it, most of us live mostly operating in the lower circuits, one through four, with little understanding and infrequent engagement with the higher circuits. This is an unhealthy way of living that leads to personal misery and all the terrible outcomes one sees every day in the news. Leary worked closely with his former Harvard colleague Richard Alpert, later called Ramdas. Both men like to use the metaphor of changing a TV channel. One can change the channel from the current terrible program we're watching to better programs that can be accessed in the higher circuits. I'll be using this metaphor throughout the talk. You might say I'll be over using this metaphor. I want to be clear that most of Leary's ideas, the eight circuit model, is now mostly considered to be a combination of pseudoscience and drug-fueled metaphysical ideas. So I think it's best to see the eight circuit model as a metaphor. It's true that this talk references some hard proven science, but if you dissect the human body, you won't find a circuit in the body. From my perspective, the eight circuit metaphor is immensely useful to navigating everyday reality. I see it as a practical tool. It also helps us understand esoteric and mystical experiences that human beings have had throughout the ages. I think this is partly due to Leary's source of inspiration. Leary's legacy is intertwined with the use of hallucinogenic drugs called psychedelics. We'll be diving into that subject later in the talk. He and many of the alternative thinkers of the time explored the connection between psychedelic experiences and ancient Eastern religious traditions. They were convinced that these traditions could provide a map to the hallucinations one experiences under the influence of psychedelics and an explanation for the self-reported positive personality changes that often follow these powerful experiences. Larry thought that the chakra system in some Hindu and Buddhist traditions was such a map. Chakra is a Sanskrit word meaning circle, disc, wheel, or circuit. This concept goes back thousands of years, but to Westerners it's mostly encountered in New Age, spiritual-seeking contexts. There have been many chakra systems throughout history. Most involve six to seven primary energy centers in the body. Occasionally you'll see references to an eighth energy center outside or above the body. Some systems have over a hundred smaller energy centers distributed throughout the body. It's commonly said that the primary energy centers rise up through the body via an energetic column along the spinal cord from its base to the top of the head. There's a lot of conjecture that this was a primitive science and it was referencing neurology and endocrinology. But frankly speaking, there's a lot of nonsense said about chakras. Instead, it's better to understand that chakra systems are a metaphorical framework. They help us understand the process of transforming a mundane, worldly life into a sacred one. The chakra system traditionally has served as an aid for meditation, worship, and union with the divine. It also can serve as a practical aid for self-improvement. One notable chakra methodology that I like to mention can be found in Shaktism, the Hindu goddess worship tradition I mentioned earlier. In this tradition you find popular terms like Tantra, Kundalini, which is a life force energy that goes up the spine, and you'll find other terms like Yantra and Mudras that you may have heard of in yoga class. The Eighth Circuit model has mostly been forgotten after Leary and Wilson died. Interestingly, a core concept behind much of Leary's work is now all the rage in neuroscience. 
Neuroplasticity is the ability for the brain and nervous system to rapidly change and adapt. This is now accepted science and can be found in any mainstream publication, TED Talk, or scientific podcast these days. It seems to me that the essence of Leary and Wilson's work on the Eighth Circuit model is the reduction of suffering, both individual and societal suffering on the whole. Their work was a service to others, providing people with a user manual for the nervous system. Larry wanted people to be able to reprogram their nervous system so that it expresses itself in a more natural and healthy manner. The Eighth Circuit model taught readers that they can tune into the body's nervous system like one tunes a musical instrument. And doing so creates a more harmonious life experience. After almost a decade of my research and exploration, it has become clear to me that the Eighth Circuit model is rooted in deep truth. So, after a lot of contemplation, I decided to slightly retool the Eighth Circuit model into what I've come to call Eighth Circuit Yoga. There are many misconceptions about the term yoga. Yoga didn't originate as a workout method. Yoga is a Sanskrit term that means union. It is closely related to yoke, which means to bind, to harness together. This is an agricultural term. It is a wooden cross piece that is fastened over the necks of two animals and attached to the plow or cart that they are to pull. See the photo. There is an esoteric meaning to being yoked. One can yoke one's body to a higher power. This is a term used in various traditions. Of course, it is mostly known as a Hindu term. In Hinduism, you have the imagery of Krishna as a chariot driver. In Christianity, Jesus is quoted in the book of Matthew as saying, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The Greek term syzygy, meaning to be yoked together, is used in the sciences as well as some more esoteric philosophies like Gnosticism. I was surprised to find out that the word religion comes from the word religari, which means to bind. The binding was a bond between humans and gods. Now, I'm sure this sounds horrifying to some, especially those who don't believe in anything having to do with religion and who believe religion is irrational and dangerous. Who wants to be bound like livestock? Who wants to live in submission to some great higher power? It sounds like fascism or, or maybe cult-like thinking. The answer to these critiques is not very convincing or reassuring. The answer is basically, well, it's not like that. Being yoked does sound pretty unpleasant and harmful. But for me, what's unpleasant and harmful is the status quo. We're all yoked to something. Most of us are yoked to the status quo. And as you'll see, the circuit one through four programming dictates how we view, behave, and interact with the world around us. The Hindu sage Ramana Maharshi is known to encourage the asking of the question, who am I? Eight circuit yoga is about encountering and establishing a relationship with an aspect of yourself that you may not even realize exists. It's about rooting the personality in something other than the first four circuits. Right now, we operate in the first four circuits most of the time. Therefore, our perspective is that of the cattle being yoked, some burdened animal. But it is possible to realize that one is in fact both the rider and the cattle all at once. It's a weird idea, I know, but bear with me throughout the talk and judge for yourself whether any of this makes any sense to you. And just to be clear, 8th Circuit Yoga isn't a workout or some secret esoteric practice. This is an explanatory model, an idea framework, a metaphor. And perhaps you could use it to transform your experience of the world around you. Maybe. 
This is about tuning the nervous system as one tunes a piano or a guitar. Eight circuit yoga is a construct for self-understanding. Each circuit can be understood to be a particular way in which the body's nervous system interacts with the world. I've taken Leary and Wilson's eight circuit model and I've added up-to-date references and examples for the lower circuits. I've recontextualized circuits six and seven with a strong Jungian twist. And I've renamed most of the circuits since Leary and Wilson's term for them, I feel are unaccessible. So let's get started.